welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. In part one of our special two-part episode, we explored the importance of self-care in parenting and discussed strategies for prioritizing our own well-being. Today, in part two, we will shift our focus to a topic that deserves our attention, the mental health challenges of motherhood. Motherhood is a transformative journey filled with love, joy, and incredible growth. However, it can also come with its own set of mental health challenges. From the hormonal changes of postpartum to the pressures of societal expectations, mothers often find themselves navigating a complex emotional landscape. In this episode, I'll shed light on the mental health challenges that many mothers face, such as postpartum depression, anxiety, and the constant struggle to meet the standards of a perfect parent. We'll explore the signs, symptoms, and impacts of these challenges, as well as provide resources and support for seeking professional help. Through personal stories, expert insights, and practical strategies, I aim to empower and uplift mothers in their mental health journey. My goal is to create a safe space for open conversations and to let mothers know that they are not alone in their experience. So grab a glass of wine, find a cozy spot, and let's uncork the conversation on mental health challenges of motherhood. Together, we'll navigate the ups and downs, share our experiences, and foster a community of understanding and support. Remember, your mental well-being matters, and I'm here to walk this path. So to start off, uh, mental health and motherhood is really something that's not talked about very often unless you ask someone. Pretty much when a new baby arrives, everyone is concerned about what the baby looks like, how much the baby weighs, is the baby sleeping at night? Not a lot of people ask, how are you doing? How is the mother doing? And that's something that I really want to change the narrative on because there's just not enough support for mothers after we have our children. I watched so many of my friends go through it and I really can't explain the feeling that I had once I entered the world of motherhood. As I've mentioned before, I feel as though I entered the secret society of moms that nobody talked about what was happening when the sun went down each night eventually and how mothers were exhausted walking around the world. I thought that for at least the first six months I should be able to wear a little sign on my back when I was out without my children that I'm a new mom because I feel as though people are so open to being helpful when you're pregnant. But then once you have this new baby, everyone kind of just thinks you can handle it. And the truth is that a lot of us cannot. A lot of us can't without other people's help. And that's how I survived. And communication is super important. Being aware of how you feel and what isn't right and advocating yourself is for yourself is also very important as well. So that's what this episode is going to be about, just addressing the mental health challenges of motherhood. And um, here we go. Start off, there are obviously a huge umbrella of postpartum issues that can arise. The main one is postpartum depression. I honestly didn't even know that there was more than postpartum depression until I had a baby. Kind of like a lot of things in life. One thing that I haven't really shared is that I am creating a fourth trimester book. I have the bones to it. Uh, I have it together, but really I just need to sit down in all my spare time and um, kind of put put it all together. That's It's not going to be something that's super long. It's just kind of the basics of things that really helped me. One section that I do have in it, though, I ask women to share their own stories of postpartum depression and what their diagnosis was and 
how they felt about it. And it was really interesting to read all of the different submissions. And um, I feel like it was really important to share those because it will make others not feel as alone. Um, the other thing that I did, which you can actually get in my link in my bio, is I created a document with five postpartum therapists that are in each state. So um, five therapists from all 50 states. It's in a little PDF that I created. I feel as though this is something really important as well because I certainly wasn't prepared for the emotions and feelings. And then you have to actually find a therapist and then you have to actually get an appointment for a therapist. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about my experience with that later on in this episode. But um, it's just like a really crappy feeling and you feel really alone. So I'm trying to do everything I can to fix that. So what is postpartum depression? I will also use the term PTSD in this section for reference. But what it is, it's a mental health condition that affects some mothers after childbirth. As I mentioned, it is important to raise awareness about PTSD as it can have a significant impact on a mother's well-being and parenting. Here's what we All right. Number one, the prevalence. Postpartum depression is relatively common. It affects approximately 10 to 15% of new mothers. It can occur in any culture, socioeconomic background, or age. PPD is different from the baby blues, which is something that I had with both. What that is, is short-lived mood swings that many mothers experience shortly after giving birth because of the huge hormonal shift. Um, but it is important to know that it is different than postpartum depression. And I do also have a section on that in my book that I will have um, just kind of recognizing the difference. So what are the signs of symptoms? Postpartum depression is typically developed in the first few weeks after childbirth. However, it can appear any time within the first year. And one thing that I also didn't know about is that when you wean from breastfeeding, postpartum depression can come on as well because of the hormonal changes. This was something that I was not prepared for. When I started weaning with Willow, I was very confused why I was feeling it sad and depressed. I knew that it was just a moment that I was having, but um, once I started looking into it, I realized that you can get postpartum depression when you're weaning from breastfeeding. Who knew? Um, so what are the signs of PTSD? They may vary, but they commonly include a persistent feeling of sadness, hopelessness, or emptiness, loss of interest or pleasure in activities you want to enjoy, fatigue or lack of energy, changes in appetite or sleep patterns, irritability, anxiety, or excessive worry, difficulty bonding with the baby, feelings of guilt, shame, or worthlessness, and thoughts of self-harm or harming the baby. It's important to note that each individual's experience with PTD may differ, and not all mothers will exhibit the same. What is the impact on mental health? Postpartum depression can significantly impact a mother's mental health, making it challenging to care for herself and her baby, and adding sleep deprivation. I mean, it's just a horrible conversation. It can strain relationship, interfere with bonding, and lead to feeling guilt or inadequacy during your postpartum period. PPD can also affect a mother's physical health and overall quality of life. It's essential to seek help and support to address PPD and recovery. So how should you seek help and support? Before I go into some specific resources, what I wanted to say is before you have your baby, line up a postpartum therapist. I can't express this enough both times because apparently I didn't learn from the first time. Um, finding a therapist in the moment of need was 
impossible. When I called, it was everything was six weeks out. Um, and I actually got really lucky with Parker because we are involved in the Princeton University Research Project. They actually have kind of like an on call therapist for us, which in case cameras make us crazy, but it's a great benefit. And I was able to get in touch with the therapist, whom, oh my gosh, she's amazing, um, within like a couple days. But I did keep that six week appointment on my calendar, which I had Parker's June 2nd, and it ended up being like the middle of August that I had the next therapist appointment with this random woman, um, which was a terrible experience. And that's the other thing, too. I, again, got lucky with the first therapist that I went to. She was so great and validated all the feelings that I was feeling and helped me work through everything, gave me a lot of exercises to do to kind of get through it. And I met with the woman in August, and she was horrible. But that would have been something if I met with her right away, and she did not validate any of my feelings. She was yawning. She only cared about basically the financial payment of our session. Um, I I would have been even worse. So I kind of went on a tangent there, but seeking help and support again, utilize that. Um, that resource that I have on my Instagram page, very important that you set up a therapist that you switch around, that you enjoy to meet. Even if it's just like one session after you have baby, maybe set it up for like two weeks, two or three weeks after your due date, that would be my suggestion. Um, and then maybe you can like schedule it if you need to, but either way, I think everybody should be mandated to see a therapist after they have a child because I don't know one person that just kind of like glided through and didn't need any sort of help or couldn't use help. I guess maybe they didn't know that they needed help, but couldn't. all right. So what are some additional resources? Postpartum Support International or PSI offers support resources and a helpline for individuals experiencing uh, postpartum mood and anxiety and anxiety disorders. You can visit their website at postpartum.net for more info. The National Helpline for Postpartum Depression, that helpline offers support information and resources for postpartum depression. Call. The next is the National Helpline for Postpartum Depression. This is the helpline. The number is 1-800-PCP-MOMS or 1-800-773-6667. Call that for assistance. You can find local support groups. Look for local support groups or therapy options specifically geared towards postpartum depression. These groups provide a safe space for sharing experiences and receiving support from others who understand what you're going through. You can look also at your hospital. Mine had um, a breastfeeding support group. It had a postpartum support group, and they did a great job. They actually called me every Monday for the first four weeks just to kind of like say, hey, remember that you're meeting. And I thought that was really good, too, even though I didn't utilize it. But it wasn't just like the one time when you left the hospital that they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, the packet that we gave you, we have a support group on this date. They called, they left a voicemail, they asked how I was doing. And I thought that was really something that was great about the hospital. The next is online communities, online communities and forums, such as postpartum progress or baby centers, postpartum depression support groups can offer a virtual support network for you to connect with other mothers experiencing similar challenges. Obviously, Facebook, it has a ton of groups 
Some people love it. Some people hate it. Again, sometimes they were great for me. Sometimes they were way too overwhelming for me. Um, and it also like all depends on as well. But always remember, seeking help is not a sign of weakness, but a courageous step towards your well-being and recovery. The right support and treatment to a chronic depression can be effectively managed allowing you to regain joy, positivity, and lead feeling like all Next, anxiety and motherhood. This was definitely something that I had. This is definitely something that I had, and I think most mothers have. You are constantly worrying about, is my baby breathing? Is my baby sick? Is someone kissing them going to kill them, essentially? You know, you spiral all the time. For for stuff that is very rare that could happen, but the fact that it can happen is really scary. Uh, motherhood is beautiful and transformative. It's a motherhood is a beautiful and transformative journey, but it can also come with a share of anxiety. Uh, many and most mothers experience anxiety, which can be triggered triggered by various factors. Here's an exploration of anxiety in motherhood, along with strategies for managing it. And so, number one, societal expectations. Mothers often face immense pressure to meet societal expectations of being a perfect parent. The desire to excel in every aspect of motherhood contributes to anxiety. You need to recognize that it is impossible to be perfect and focus on being a loving and attentive parent rather than striving for unrealistic commitment. This is something that I struggled immensely with in when I had Willow. Um, we were in COVID, we were in the winter, and she was my first child. And um, I just remember thinking, like, I, I don't think I've really got it out of the bathroom for the most part of my day um like the first eight weeks I remember thinking like how are moms out in the first week like going places going shopping how do people have multiple kids um I just really I didn't realize how much I struggled until I had Parker and Parker I was out like a couple days after we got home and it's just really your how you're personally feeling so societal expectations with Willow. I definitely didn't meet them. I guess I did with Parker, but it's neither one is the right way to do it. And the bottom line is all your child needs is to be fed, loved, and housed, and you're doing the right job. The next is worry for children's well-being. You're naturally going to worry about well-being and safety for your children, but having the responsibility of nurturing and protecting another human can be really overwhelming. Um, again, having a COVID baby in winter, I can't even begin to describe the amount of anxiety that came around that. And you didn't know what to believe or who to believe. And honestly, um, my pediatrician, when I asked her about it, she would say that every baby born in the winter should just be treated like they were born in a pandemic. And I guess in a way that was really a great thing for us because there there weren't people trying to kiss my baby. There weren't constant parties where I had to make sure that my baby was not being passed around. Um, and all of that while in while looking back on it, I think it was all great in the sense of keeping her safe. Um, it wasn't great at the time because I was just constantly where I remember we took her to a winery. And it was just the two of us and it was our first time out and there was no one else even in our in the room with us. There was the shields everywhere. 
because we had like two glasses of wine and we were we and like people around us were concerned that we were doing harm to our baby that's never going to be honest but practice self-compassion and remind yourself that you are doing your best acknowledge that some level of worry is normal but excessive worry can be anxiety if you have that you know go talk to your doctor and on some medicine there's nothing wrong with that next self-care for anxiety management prioritizing self-care is crucial for managing anxiety engage in activities that bring you joy relaxation and rejuvenation it can include exercise mindfulness creative outlets spending time with with friends with seeking therapy take time for yourself regularly even if it's in small pockets to recharge and manage anxiety effectively not so much with willow but with parker i really made it a point that during that time i was not going to be doing anything that i could do while the kids were awake so the dishes the laundry i could do all that when the kids are awake when they are napping they're not thankfully they're not the line right now or like at night time i have everything done before they go to bed or during naps i do something for me like I'll record or edit my podcast or I'll sit and watch tv or I'll read a book um that's my time and I'm not ashamed to realize it and um that's something really important as well the other thing which I just started doing and I mentioned it before is with our kids club at the gym is on the weekends when Mark works and we have stuff to do, I take the extra time that we have. We have two hours a day for them to utilize kids' club. So I'll work out and then I'll do my shower and hair and makeup and everything right at the gym. Um, so that's really something that's a nice self-care for me that I found, which I thought of it two and a half years ago. <laughs> I just started doing it the, about like less than a month ago. But anyway, I'll be doing that. Um, next, have open communication to help deal with anxiety. Communicate your concerns and anxieties with your partner, family members, or trusted friends. Sharing your thoughts and emotions can provide relief and help gain perspective. Engage in open and honest conversations about your fears, worries, and challenges as a mother. And remember that you are not alone. Next is setting boundaries, uh, which I also have a whole section of that in my fourth trimester book because, man, it's really tough. I come from a huge family, huge Italian and Irish. My dad is 100% Italian. My mom is her Irish side, her maiden name is Burke. And we have a very involved family, which is wonderful. But we do have to set boundaries on we can, what we can and can't do and, and what we really want them to maintain if they want to spend time with their children. And we are very lucky. Our parents and my parents both really respect those boundaries. Um, and I just order their parents and in-laws not. So I'm, again, very blessed for that. But establishing healthy boundaries really can help manage anxiety. Learn to say no when necessary and to prioritize your well-being. Recognize that it's okay to delegate certain tasks or ask for help or ask for help when needed. Setting boundaries allows you to create a more balanced and manageable lifestyle, reducing anxiety levels. And remember, no is a complete sentence. You don't ever have to explain yourself. You can just say no and move on. Uh, as I talked about earlier, make sure you seek professional support if you're having overwhelming anxiety. Um, 
reach out to a mental health professional, such as a therapist or a counselor or a doctor who specializes in maternal mental health. They can provide new guidance, coping strategies, and therapeutic interventions tailored to your needs. Remember, it's essential to be gentle with yourself and seek support when needed. Anxiety in motherhood is a common experience, and we're not alone. By implementing self-care strategies, seeking professional help, and building a support network, you can effectively manage anxiety and enjoy the beautiful journey of motherhood. Next, I want to talk about the myth of the perfect parent. Motherhood is often accompanied by societal pressures to be a perfect parent, setting unrealistic expectations that can have a significant impact on maternal mental health. It's important to debunk the myth of the perfect parent and, and embrace self-compassion while setting realistic expectations. Here's why and how. First, let's talk about the unrealistic expectations. Society often paints an idealized image of motherhood, setting unrealistic expectations for mothers to excel in all aspects of parenting. This myth suggests that a perfect parent never makes mistakes, always knows what to do, and effortlessly balances all responsibilities. Recognize that this standard is unattainable and that every mother's journey is. This is something that I share on my Instagram a lot about um, the like truths behind my motherhood journey because I think it's really important to be real with the fact that I don't do it all myself. We have a, as I've said a ton of time, we have people helping us right now. Our, our daughter is at my in-laws sleeping over because Parker was sick today and I didn't want them both to be sick. So Mark reached out to his mom and said, can Willow come over? And, and she said, she could, yes, and she can stay overnight. Um, so, and wow, what a relief for me. I had to only worry about one sick child today and not um, entertaining a father as well. I had the best time today at my mother-in-law's. Um, but, like, I could have posted all the stuff about, like, being sick and everything looking perfect. But that's not, that's not the truth of it. Um, and, you know, as I always say, we see that a lot on Instagram, that people are just posting the highlights of everything and that's not the, the reality of life. The myth of a perfect parent has an impact on maternal mental health. The pressure to meet these impossible expectations can negatively affect maternal mental health. Mothers may experience stress, anxiety, guilt, and feeling of inadequacy when they fall short of the perfect parenting standards. It's important to acknowledge the toll this pressure takes on mental well-being and actively challenge. I am constantly like, okay, I need to be doing more for the kids. Like, they're not doing enough um, learning activities. They're not doing a lot, enough creative activities. Just this morning, I saw a video uh, of Willow when she was Parker's age, and she was taking blocks off of a stack and trying to like restock them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, does Parker know how to do this? I don't know. Like, I haven't even been practicing stacking blocks with him. And so today, I like went and did that with him in his sickness for a couple minutes and like he can try to stack and that it wasn't that big of a deal but um it's a constant struggle next embrace self-compassion this is so important as i mentioned in the last episode i really am terrible at this but practicing self-compassion as a counteracting as a perfect parent is so important understand that perfection is an unrealistic goal 
and it's okay to make mistakes, learn, and grow as a parent. Treat yourself with kindness, understanding, and forgiveness. Celebrate your strengths and acknowledge efforts you put into nurturing your child. Next, set realistic expectations. Just like with anything in life, you want to set realistic goals and expectations for yourself, and you want to do that as a parent as well. Recognize no one is perfect. It's normal to have moments of uncertainty, doubt, and even struggle. Focus on being present, loving, and supportive rather than striving for an unattainable ideal. Be realistic about what you reasonably achieve and prioritize what truly matters to you and your family. And again, something else, what you can handle is not the same as what others can handle. You might be thriving in uh, feeding your kids 100 foods before they turn one, and someone else is thriving in working on their uh, fine motor skills. It's just whatever you are doing, you're doing it right as long as you're giving them faith and love. Um, next. Surround yourself with support. Build a support network of family, friends, and other parents who can offer understanding, encouragement, and non-judgmental support. Share your experiences, challenges, and triumphs with people who will uplift you and validate you. Remember that you are not alone. And lastly, let's challenge societal pressures. Challenge the pressure that perpetuates the myth of the perfect parent. Advocate for more realistic representation of motherhood and support initiatives that promote self-compassion and acceptance by challenging these ideals. But, um, like, women make these random rules up that have no meaning behind them, and that's why it's important to follow your own rules. Find your people that do what you like to do, and it's important to do what makes Remember, the myth of perfect parent is just that, it's a myth. Great self-compassion, set realistic expectations, prioritize self-care, and surround yourself with embracing imperfection and focusing on your child's well-being to speak to your own mental health and create a environment and next let's talk about the maternal mental health stigma maternal mental health challenges such as postpartum depression anxiety or other mood disorders are unfortunately still accompanied by a stigma in many societies here's why and here's how first you want to understand what a stigma is stigma refers to a negative attitude belief stereotype surrounding a particular condition or group of In the case of maternal mental health challenges, stigma can manifest as judgment, shame, and misconception about mothers who are experiencing these issues. Stigma can lead to feelings of isolation and prevent mothers from seeking help. So what is the impact of stigma? Stigma surrounding maternal mental health challenges has significant consequences. It can make mothers feel ashamed, guilty, or embarrassed about their experiences, preventing and from openly discussing those struggles. Stigma also perpetuates the notion that seeking help is a sign of weakness, further discouraging mothers from reaching out for support. This can have detrimental effects on maternal mental health and well-being. So how can we reduce the stigma? Um, it's essential to create a supportive environment for mothers. So the first is education and awareness. Raising awareness about maternal mental health challenges, their prevalence, and their impact on and misconception. Sharing accurate information to foster empathy, understanding, and compassion. Next, having open conversations. Encouraging open conversations about maternal mental health creates a safe space for mothers to share their experience without fear or judgment, providing platforms for dialogue, such as support groups, online communities, social media campaigns, break the silence, and reduce stigma. Lastly, 
language and empathy. Using inclusive and empathetic language when discussing maternal mental health is crucial. Avoid judgmental language and embracing and embracing compassionate terminology reduces stigmatizing beliefs and promote more. All right, so remember, maternal mental health challenges are common and no mother feel ashamed or judged for stigma promoting conversation and providing support without judgment. Without judgment, we can create a more compassionate and understanding society. Together, we can ensure that all mothers have important needs to navigate the complexities of motherhood, prioritizing their well-being. The last thing that I want to talk about is seeking professional help because this is something that no one should be afraid of. Um, it's crucial when dealing with maternal mental health challenges. Mental health professionals such as therapists, counselors, and psychiatrists are trained to provide support, guidance, and evidence-based interventions that can significantly improve maternal well-being. Here's why seeking professional help is important and an overview of available services. First, a professional is going to validate your experiences. Mental health professionals can help do this by offering a safe and non-judgmental space for you to express your concerns and fears. They understand the unique challenges that mothers face and can help you navigate the complexities of motherhood while addressing your mental health needs. As I mentioned earlier, I had two very different experiences with therapists postpartum. Um, I basically told them the same story. I had the same issues that I spoke to them about. The main one being that I had lost my good friend two weeks to the day before Parker was born. She passed away a week before he was born was her funeral. And then I had Parker and I was really struggling with the fact that I was supposed to be happy while my friend died. And that's just the honest truth about it. I was obviously feeling so lucky and blessed, but I felt really guilty during it. That was something. And the therapist that I saw first, thankfully, talked to me about how I can use the word end instead of but. So instead of saying, I should be happy, but my friend died, I would say I should be happy and my friend died. And that's really helped shape a lot of different perspectives in my life because I feel as though I can be really hard on myself. And the reasoning for that is I always used the but instead of the end. And in the last year, that's really helped me with my parenting and just life in general. The second thing that I had a really difficult thing dealing with was not living down the shore in the summer. And when I say it out loud, people automatically think like, oh, this spoiled little brat just likes to live at the beach all summer. But it really was about way more than just going to the beach every day. It was a community that I had built over the last 14 summers. My best friends were down there. If you were going to have the same conversation with someone who lived in the middle of the country, you would feel bad that they had to uproot a big part of their life. And that's exactly what I spoke to therapist one about. And she really validated my loss of community and how I was kind of trying to figure out a new identity while bringing a new baby into the world, which really is a lot when you break it down. Therapist number two, now this is at the end of August, basically, she's like, so can't you just rent a shore house? It's like, lady, 
don't you think I've thought about that before? I have a newborn baby. I would be leaving my husband. I have a two and a half year old. That's not feasible at this point in our life right now. Um, and she made me feel as though my thoughts were really not valid. And it made me feel really bad about myself that, of course, there's bigger problems in the world. But therapist number one really made me get to the root of why it was such an issue. And that was because I was losing a community. I hadn't have not lived in the suburbs for my whole adult life. I've always left the day after school and went down the shore until basically Labor Day weekend, obviously with some exceptions. Um, and that's been through single life, relationship life, engagement life, married life, pregnant life, and even the first summer I had Willow. So that was something really big for me to give up. And seeking the proper therapist really helped me to figure out how to get over all of that. Um, and as I come into this summer, I still do have a little bit of, I guess, anxiety going into it as to like, what will I do with the kids? Um, but I know that I'll figure it out and I know I'll find a new community amongst where I live. The next thing that is important when seeking professional help is recognizing that they are specialized in this expertise. They have specific knowledge and training to address the, psych the psychological, emotional, and relational aspects of motherhood. They can also provide tailored interventions to help support you in this part of your life. Again, your best friend or your sister or your mother might have a different experience than you did while you're having your postpartum time, um, and they might not be able to help exactly in what worked for them. So having someone who is a professional can really help you see all different aspects of how to find help. And then I just want to talk about a couple different types of therapy that you can get. First would be individual. Um, that would be a confidential space to explore your thoughts, emotions, and concerns related to motherhood. Therapists can provide strategies, coping mechanisms, and tools to help you improve your mental well-being and help you develop a healthier way of coping with challenges. The next thing would be doing couples or family therapy. If you have older kids, that might be something helpful. I really think that all families can benefit from family therapy, even though most do not go to family therapy. And couples can benefit from it in so many ways. If your communication is off or you're not on the same page about things, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, the therapist is going to help facilitate open communication, which in my opinion is the number one thing in regards to having a healthy relationship. Um, and then you're going to be able to see other perspectives in a safe space and learn about the way that someone else sees what's happening in your relationship. Um, it's going to, again, offer validation and it's going to offer opportunities for personal growth. Something that is really popular now is doing online therapy, and that is also known as teletherapy or virtual therapy. It's a convenient option, and especially for mothers who are constantly busy or have limited access or have specific time frames that they can fit in therapy time, um, this is a really great alternative, and you can find great therapists with that as well. Again, 
therapist number one that I saw right after Parker. We did it virtually, and I felt like I was sitting in a room with her. Obviously, it can be a little bit impersonal if you get the wrong therapist, so it's just about trying to figure out what works best for you. And then the last thing I want to talk about quickly in this part is just getting uh, medication management. So in some cases, medication may be recommended as part of a comprehensive treatment plan for maternal mental health. Psychiatrists or other medical professionals, they can assist your needs and prescribe appropriate medication to help manage symptoms of conditions such as postpartum depression or anxiety. Medication can be used in conjunction with therapy or as a standalone treatment depending on your specific situation. Again, this is something that is talked about a lot more in today's motherhood society, but I feel as though before it was looked at as a stigma and that, you know, mothers were looked down upon because you had to take medication to regulate your feelings and emotion. And I'm so happy to see so many people asking, hey, is anyone on Zoloft? Hey, is anyone on this medication? Is anyone on that medication? And it's probably really comforting for others to know that it's not an individual problem, but it's something that a lot of women are experiencing and aren't just getting the help they need from talking to their partner or going for a run or going to couples therapy or individual therapy or family therapy. Sometimes you've exhausted all those options and you need something more to help get you back on track and medication is something that can do that with the approval of your doctor. Remember, seeking professional help is a proactive step towards prioritizing your mental health as a mother. Whether you're dealing with postpartum depression, anxiety, or other maternal mental health challenges, reaching out to a mental health professional can provide you with the support, guidance, and tools needed to navigate these challenges and promote your overall well-being. It is important to consult with your healthcare provider or mental health professional to determine the best course of action for your specific needs. They can provide personalized recommendations, referrals, and connect you with the appropriate resources to support your journey towards better maternal mental health. And that's going to wrap up part two of this special two-part episode on the mental health challenges of motherhood here on the Running Wine Mom podcast. I hope this conversation has shed light on the unique experiences and difficulties that mothers face when it comes to their mental well-being. Motherhood is a remarkable journey filled with love, growth, and sometimes overwhelming emotions. In part two, we explored topics such as postpartum depression, anxiety, and the pressures of meeting societal expectations. Remember, you are not alone. Seeking professional help is not a sign of weakness, but a courageous step towards healing and self-care. Reach out to therapists, counselors, or support groups who can provide the guidance and support that you may need. As I conclude this episode, let's continue the conversation and break the silence surrounding maternal mental health challenges. Share your experience, support other moms, and advocate for the importance of mental well-being in motherhood. I want to thank you, our amazing listeners, for joining me in this important discussion. I hope that it has provided valuable insights, validation, and encouragement to all the running wine moms out there. Stay connected with me on social media, share your thoughts, and let me know what topics you'd like to explore in future episodes. On, you can find me on Instagram at the running wine mom underscore. 
please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, self-care is not selfish. It's a vital component of being the best mom you can be. Take care of yourself, raise a glass to your resilience, and keep running strong. Until next time, see you next Tuesday.